I'm hired help, uh, but I'm also a dad. My son goes to our schools. Um, and so in my yeah. capacity as superintendent, it's important to me to have a quality education, right? It's important to me that every child gets quality. And that to me is the gap. And so change is hard. And it's hard for adults. It's hard for children too. But you have to do it. And you don't stop because of that. You do it, in, you do it because of that and, and, and not in spite of. In an article written by Nicholas Fisher and published by Education Week, it was stated that our education system is often shaped more by being politically safe and less by the fearless experimentation it takes to truly improve schools for all students. Mm -hmm. As a superintendent, difficult decisions must be made on a daily basis that will take a district and its people mm -hmm. down one path or another. Mm -hmm. On today's episode of Classroom Matters, I am having the privilege of talking to Dr. Joseph Davis of the Ferguson Florissen School District, and I had the honor of working with Dr. Davis for one year. Just one yes. year. It wasn't long enough. <laughs> it was an amazing year. There. It was. It was a great year. Um, and I've been truly impressed with your level of leadership and your attempts to do these such things as challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. So how difficult is that on your most challenging days? Ooh, that's, that's big, <laughs> And right? that goes back to is it crazy or courageous? A little uh, bit of both. Absolutely. You know what? Um, so I think at the end of the day, uh, what's politically correct and what's right uh, may not be the same. And I think always doing what is right is important and has to always remain, um, you know. And when I think about my own experiences growing up in North Carolina in the South and, you know, being a black man in the South and uh, all the issues that we have in our country when it comes to race, et cetera, I think quality is job one when it comes to all of this, right? And we, you know, we, when I say we, the district, uh, the board in particular, has been really clear with me when they brought me on board back in 2015 of the importance of creating a a space, uh, a district that uh, is quality, where kids are safe, where teachers are safe, uh, where they're learning at really high levels, um, and so that we're preparing them for a better community, a better future. Um, and I tell you what, you know, it, it, some days I feel like it's all the stuff we've done in such a short period of time over the course of a couple of years seems crazy, but it's courageous in that we have, we cannot keep doing the same thing. Uh, we have to do things differently if we expect better results for our children because they deserve it. And I am super excited to be a part of the work, the changes that we've done. This is my fifth year superintendent here. Um, and it, th the things that we've done in this short period of time sometimes never happens in, in the lifetime of a superintendent in their mm -hmm. career. And so I'm fortunate to be able to, you know, uh, you know uh, combine some schools, close some schools, uh, you know, move around over half of our teachers. Um, and, you know, I, I have to brag a little bit, and I don't know if it's to my credit, but to the credit of this team, is that when we ratified our um, agreement last year, it was done at 96%, uh, even with teachers moving, because teachers worked so hard. And, you know, I don't ever take any of that for granted, because without, uh, as a former principal, you cannot do your work without your teachers. You have to have them on board. And so it's really important to me that teachers feel supported. Um, they have what they need so that children get what they need. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's been a great undertaking, but it's, it's been uh, rewarding uh, quite a bit. You grew up in the South. Mm -hmm. What was your journey like into education? Did you just wake up one day and say, yeah. oh, I'm going to be the superintendent <laughs> one day? No, absolutely not. My undergrad is in computer science. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I went to undergrad back in the 80s, uh, you know, I... You know, some people don't even remember the I 80s know, right? that you talk to now. <laughs> It's, so it's amazing uh, because I have students now. I have one of my one of my students, Brian. He's a, a PhD student. He called me last week 
uh, at Vanderbilt, uh, an amazing student, amazing young man. Uh, so growing up in, you know, uh, the South, you know, I, I just wanted to live a good life. I'm first generation. I, I wanted to go to the Air Force, uh, and that had its challenges with some beliefs from my family, so I didn't go to the Air Force, which is, if I have any regrets in life, is not having served my country. Um, but I went on to undergrad at North Carolina A&T and got my undergrad in computer science. Uh, before I graduated, though, uh, I started working on math because I've always been a math person. I love math. I love math. And, you know, when I graduated, I took a job while I was getting my certification. Got a job teaching before I was done because I, you know, passed the test and all that stuff. The state, uh, we called it then the, the national teacher exam back in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I had, um, I, I got a job teaching. And just wanted to teach. I started getting my master's in math uh, at East Carolina University in North Greenville, North Carolina. Did not want to be an administrator. Had no idea that that would necessarily be my path. Uh, and I started teaching. And I started liking, loving what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And taught middle school math, taught high school math. My high school principal at the time when I was teaching at Fike High School in Wilson, North Carolina, uh, Alan, he uh, encouraged me to, you know, do administration. And I just, I just want to teach. You know, I had great discipline with my kids because I had great relationships with them. So they really had, you know, they sometimes tamed me. But, uh, you know, that's where I sort of went down this path of administration. I just wanted to do a master's in math and maybe someday a Ph.D. in mathematics, which is something I would love to still get in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do that now because, mm -hmm. you know, time is, is, is not right. on my side anymore. Uh, but that's how I got to where I am. And I don't have any regrets, actually. Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love the work I do. Um, because it's helping people. What I do know is that, you know, thank God for my mom and my grandma who were my and parents. And Miss Boykin. Yes, and Miss Boykin. Uh, you remember about, her. Tell me about her. Wow. It's amazing you remember her. I do well, talk I about can't, her a listen, lot. I, listen, I'm going to be honest. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take 100% credit. Some folks in the office reminded me of Miss Boykin, and I said, oh, I do remember yeah. the stories oh, about Miss Boykin, God. so we have to talk about her. She, you know what, I get tears when I think about her, and, you know, I... Yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, I haven't talked to Miss Borkin in years. She was my high school trig teacher. Um, I took trigonometry under her, and she um, here's this you know this white lady who saw this young black boy uh, with potential, and she taught my potential and not my present reality. Uh, and I made straight A's in her class, first class I'd ever made straight A's in. I always had the ability. I just didn't have the focus, the support, um, those kinds of things. Uh, she lit a fire. Uh, never raised her voice. Uh, had high expectations. I always had my homework in her class. I always felt like I mattered in her class. Um, and I think that's what uh, gave me that drive for math was I've always loved math, but she just lit a fire that still burns to today. Um, and so when you know people say things like white teachers can't teach black kids or there's struggles there, I think there are some differences. You sure. know, most of our teachers are white females, mm -hmm. especially in districts like ours that are 80%, you know, African-American students. Uh, but it takes someone, irrespective of your color, uh, to have the content and the and then the compassion to to serve. And mm -hmm. she she gave me that. I am grateful to her, uh, you know, to this day. Um, so I'm a, you know, I'm an educator. Probably, you know, I, a lot of it goes to to the work that she did uh, many many years ago, back in the '80s. You know, I, I graduated from high school in uh, in, in the '80s. I'll mm -hmm. just leave it there. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So. I mean, that's a great story, and I did remember that after, and I mm -hmm. and I really hope that every kid has at least one yeah. Miss Boykin yeah. in their life, because yeah. it really only takes the one. Absolutely. And 
so speak to me a little bit about the importance of relationships yeah. with teachers and students and administrators and students. And I know in your position, you unfortunately don't have a lot of probably as much time with students as you'd like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I would speak if I were sitting in your position, that might be one of the biggest downfalls of my yeah. job is I don't get to spend the time with kids that yeah. I wanted to. Yeah. But it's such an important part of what we do as teachers, mm-hmm. just building those relationships and making kids feel important. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I try to spend Tuesdays and Thursdays in schools and, you know, do, do a pretty decent job, especially as school begins, being in schools, being visible, um, you know, checking on my son, who's a ninth grader. <laughs> Um, you know, and he's looking around the corner to see where dad is and trying to hide from me. Uh, but yeah, I try to stay in schools as much as I possibly can because I want kids to know that, you know, I'm here to serve. I'm here to, for them, uh, to make sure they're getting educated well, that teachers feel the same way. Um, I know a lot of teachers by name, a lot of students by name because, you know, I have a advisory council and I meet with students and teachers absolutely not at the level I could do it when I was a principal. Uh, and I was a principal for a good long time, elementary, middle and high school, absolutely loved doing that work. I uh, love being in the classroom as a teacher, so I had that day-to-day uh, face uh, time with with uh, teachers and students, and I don't get that as much. But what I've tried, what I've learned, uh, and I said this today in some ways, I've learned my role in a way that I can be as uh, uh, pivotal and use my role as a superintendent to impact what's going on in the classroom, right? Like nothing is more important than what's happening in our classrooms between our students, teachers, and and the content that they're engaging in every day. Um, And so what I try to do is make sure that I'm using my space, my position Mm -hmm. to help make that a successful opportunity. Um, And I think what keeps me grounded all the time is when I go in schools and see our our children uh, and our younger ones, our babies, uh, and then they smile at you and make you feel like you're worth everything in the world, it reminds you of why you do this work. It reminds you of why you get up every day. Um, Because sometimes, as you say, grown folks, it can be a difficult challenge (laughs) with uh, change, uh, just Mm -hmm. with dealing with people. Um, But I love people. And, uh, you know, my grandmother and my mother taught me something that, you know, uh, humanity is, you know, we often look at it, uh, life from a color uh, uh, scheme or from a class scheme, um, but it's really about humanity. Um, and how do we speak to that? And how do we build those relationships so that people know you care uh, and that you genuinely care about who they are? Um, and, and that's what keeps me going. I get excited when I'm around people, um, and I get excited when I can help people. Um, and, you know, uh, it's, it, it gets challenging some days because you deal with attitudes and behaviors, sure. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what I try not to do is take it personal, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I also remember that people, you know, go through so much. And, you know, when I see kids who are struggling with different parts of life, um, you know, before we get to know their story, mm-hmm. we first say what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And then when we learn their story, story, then we say, you know, how could you be so normal? You know, with what you've gone through, mm-hmm. um, and that's the space I try to live in. That you know, we've got to we've got to support each other, and that's why I love this work because I get to be around a lot of people. You know, kids, uh, adults, uh, and everybody. Um, and I wouldn't change it. You know, uh, maybe one day when I retire, whenever that is, after my son gets his <laughs> his PhD, yeah. <laughs> years from now, maybe I can go back and teach. <laughs> yeah, would you? <laughs> Absolutely, it would have to be math. I'm kind of scared. I think I'd be kind of scared to go back in the classroom no, now. No, no, they look. So many things have changed. Yeah, I, I had somebody say to me once when I <laughs> when I was a, when I first became a principal, I had a friend. She said to me, 
are you ready for the students? And I said, that's not the question you need to ask. <laughs> are, are they, they ready, ready for, for me? me? <laughs> I knew it. So hiring and keeping good teachers is one of the most important things mm-hmm. that you do as an organization. Mm-hmm. And I know, like you said, you have a team of people that help you with that. Mm-hmm. Is this national teacher shortage and state teacher shortages, are you, are you seeing an impact from that at all? Are you guys struggling with that here? Some. You know, math is always hard. Mm-hmm. That's one of the hardest areas to get uh, quality teachers in, a good, you know, uh, number of them. We, there's always more um uh, you know, demand than there is a supply. Um, and, you know, we have a couple of math openings right now. If we could find a great math teacher, we'd bring them on board. So that's just, you know, hint, hint, we need more math teachers. Science comes in second, and then Spanish is sort of leading the way in some ways mm-hmm. as well. Uh, one of the benefits for us is the um, a region that we're in. We, we are near, you know, UMSL and uh, SLU, and uh, we have so many, you know, universities in our mm-hmm. area, Maryville, that is great to have, you know, the Lindenwoods and all that produce teachers. So, and, and, and then also we're in a metropolitan area. So St. Louis is a great space, a great place to live in, right? Uh, being from North Carolina, I was superintendent in a small district, and we were in a rural community. So it was even more challenging. So that's when we pulled on Teach for America and other non-traditional mm-hmm. folks to come into uh, education. I think this national issue uh, is one that we all experience in some ways. So we have to be really strategic. And one of the ways we do that, like many other folks around the country, is that we grow our own. We're really pushing hard for our uh, paras, our uh, classified employees who may think about teaching. We try to support them in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we encourage our, our teachers to pursue leadership opportunities as well. Uh, but we're also, I think, uh, pushing really hard around our students. And hopefully our students will consider education as a career option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also has a great program now called Degree in Three. Um, you know, we have as a board goal for me and our district is uh, students taking college level courses and getting that credit before they graduate from high school. So that more students who get that credit in high school, the more apt they are to go on to college and be successful. So if you can get a, a year's worth of college while you're in high school, go to UMSO and a degree in three, you can literally have a four-year degree by the time you're 20 years old mm-hmm. uh, and then come back to our schools, our classes, and teach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're experiencing the shortage some, um, but we have to be strategic. Um, and we're, we're blessed because we're in a, a great community. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other f- folks who, who, who really struggle with it as well. Yeah. And to your point, we had a conversation with uh, Dr. Van Dieven, the commissioner of education mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. week, and mm-hmm. she was mm-hmm. enlightening me on statistics that I had not heard mm-hmm. that about the teacher shortage, that we're not only looking at, at folks not wanting to go into teaching for their own reasons or mm-hmm. leaving, but that there was a high number of parents mm-hmm. Of potential teachers who are actually trying to talk their children out of becoming teachers, really? which really sort of shocked yeah. me. So, sort of focusing on that group as well mm-hmm. of these folks that are now having children that might want to be teachers mm-hmm. and trying to continue to have them stare. That just shocked me. I had no idea that that was an issue. Yeah, you know what? When I was a new teacher, um, <laughs> I, I remember, and I was a non-traditional teacher because I said my undergrad is in computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I had teachers to say to me. You know, why in the world did you choose to do this work, you know? Um, and so, I, you know, I, I think it varies. I've always been passionate about what I do, um, you know, and I also feel strongly about my content. Like, I love math. Um, and if you can teach it in ways that kids get it, man, that's so, like, you know, it's, it's empowering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, you know, I didn't know it was as big of a problem uh, as she as she says, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Van Dieven. 
Uh, but I'm sure of it mm-hmm. because I remember in my experiences as a new teacher, uh, some of the discouragements I got. But but I think that, you know, I do don't you know think it was because you're a man? Do you think it would be it was the same for a female? Because that sometimes could maybe. Yeah. You know, because when I decided to be a teacher, <laughs> I didn't start off wanting to be a teacher either. It was psychology. wanted to help people started yeah, subbing. And I'm yeah. like, whoops, I'm in the wrong field. I need to be with these kids. My parents were the proudest that they've ever yeah, been. Oh, yeah. you're going to be a teacher. That's the most wonderful occupation mm-hmm, in the world. So mm-hmm. I wonder if Noble. maybe. Noble. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's interesting you asked that question. You, do you think it's because I'm a man? Because when folks, when I, when I first started, uh, would say, well, you have a degree in computer science. Why in the world would you want to teach? You right. know? And, and I had offers to go and program, but I didn't want to do that. So I guess you're right that the world has a view of what men ought to do and what women ought to do. Uh, but I think we have to take away those, uh, you know, those labels um, and let folks find their passion. Um, and so I think that's what's really important. I think when we can find our our, our place in life and know our purpose, then to me, that's the, that's the mm-hmm. stuff that matters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I think about our students in high school, I want so much for kids to find their path and to get in it and stay in it, right, like nobody else. Um, and that's hard because we're so busy trying to lay labels and, uh, you know, give them a path they ought to take based on what we think is good for them. Mm-hmm. Where, in fact, we really need to be including them in the process. And so, you know, I probably got some discouragement, but I got more encouragement. Mm-hmm. I had some great mentors. Uh, I always think about my mentor, Jackie. Uh, she is a, a retired teacher in North Carolina, math teacher. And uh, when I was teaching middle school math my first year, I was teaching eighth grade. And she was my mentor teacher. She was teaching sixth grade at the time. And she helped me to really dive into the standards. And I learned how to teach from her uh, and Onita Baker and people who really helped me with uh, my content. Um, so I had some great mentors mm-hmm. uh, who were who were all women. I mean, mm-hmm. in fact, because teaching is mostly mostly women, but they just they knew their content. They were passionate about their work uh, and they supported. Uh, and that's what we need to continue on. Mm-hmm. in, in it. Because, listen, schools aren't going anywhere. Right. right. Uh, we'll be here, but you know we, we, th- th- that's such a challenge. You know, charter schools, uh, parochial schools, home schools. There's so many options that are out there for mm-hmm. parents. I think at the end of the day, though, what parents want is quality. They want children to be safe and to get a great education. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can give them that in our public schools, it makes our community stronger. Mm-hmm. Speaking of quality. You are going through a huge restructuring of the district. Mm-hmm. We were chatting about mm-hmm. that earlier mm-hmm. in the podcast, and I don't mm-hmm. know if we were recording it, so I want to make sure that we talk about this so that our listeners understand not only the, the challenge that you've had with the huge <laughs> change in restructure, yeah. Yeah. but alongside of that, things have to continue on with the quality of education. Mm-hmm. We can't just stop. Yeah. I say we like I still work here. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you can't just stop teaching. You can't. People can't just stop because they're trying to get adjusted mm-hmm. to the change. So the quality of ex, uh, the quality of education has to remain excellent, even through those changes, because mm-hmm. the kids are still coming to school yeah. whether they're in this building, that building, with this principal or that principal. Mm-hmm. How does that work where you're keeping the quality of education so high mm-hmm. amidst all of the change? You know what? So you know the restructuring has been really large right, for us. Um, you know we've um, you know changed from kindergarten through sixth grade schools, then seventh and eighth grade, then nine twelve to we have pre-K two schools, uh, three five schools, and those are elementary, primary, intermediate, and then we have sixth grade centers on the same campuses at our seventh and eighth grade schools, and then certainly have our high schools, and we've added some new programs in our high schools, um, and we've moved teachers around. We've moved at least half of our, if not more than half of our teachers, to new schools. So we've really restructured our district. We have new principals in almost all of our schools. 
um, they have at least 75% of their staff that are new. Uh, we went through a process with that as well. So when we say restructuring, that gives sort of some context of the huge changes that we've undertaken over the last couple of years that actually started this year. You know, we uh, start stop times changed. High schools start later now. They were starting at 7.15. Now they start at 8.05. Um, oh, wow. You know, we, we, we've changed a mm -hmm. whole, whole lot. Um, and so to your question around the quality piece and how do we keep that going I think the the piece that's really important in all of this and we've been doing this for years is focusing on teacher practice right and making sure that teachers uh, are clear about what kids ought to know and be able to do uh, by the end right Th those are the standards conversations but we've also put a lot of uh, uh, resources into principals and principal development right because principals are in my mind the lead teachers mm -hmm. and you know I, I I see myself more as a teacher than a superintendent, even though that's my role, because teaching is really important uh, to us. And when principals are thought partners with teachers, when they understand content, like I'm a math teacher, I don't have to know chemistry to know if I go into class and chemistry is being taught well mm -hmm. or reading is being taught well. I have to know what kinds of questions to ask, how to coach and support teachers so that they continue to grow, how to give mm -hmm. feedback so that teachers first value you know, my professional opinion and then follow that and then can grow from that. But I have to have my skill set so that I can provide that level of support and mm -hmm. coaching. And so we try to put more emphasis on our principals having those kinds of skills and can transfer those skills to teachers and lead, uh, lead teachers as well. We have uh, what we call ISLs, Instructional Support Leaders, uh, who also help support and coach. Our assistant principals do the same thing. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cyclical process where uh, we spend time with our ILTs, we spend time with our uh, principals, and we're constantly uh, you know, developing them to be the kind of instructional leaders that they need to be to keep that quality going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're going to end on, I wanted you to give some advice to some of our listeners. Yeah. Obviously, we're dealing with a lot of mental stress with teachers. Mm -hmm. We're mm -hmm. dealing with a lot of physical um, issues with teachers because they have a lot on their plates. Mm -hmm. um, probably a lot that maybe they didn't even realize they were signing up for. Yeah. But we're teaching to a different type of kid today and mm -hmm. sometimes a different type of dynamic of family and mm -hmm. social media mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah. the trauma yeah. and things that kids deal with. And that's all a lot of times being put on teachers' shoulders yeah. because they love these kids and it's mentally and physically draining on them. So we're, we're losing a lot of teachers mm -hmm. or we're seeing a lot of teachers breaking down or stressed out. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of teachers leave that are some of the best teachers I've ever seen, mm -hmm. and I've tried to talk them out of leaving the classroom because mm -hmm. we need good teachers. So what kind of advice would yeah. you give to those newer teachers, or even veteran teachers? You really don't have to be a new teacher to be stressed out yeah. Yeah. Um, and to be mentally and physically exhausted. Yeah. So what advice would you give them to stay mentally strong, stay in the game, continue to do what they're doing? Well, my first advice would go to superintendents and principals. <laughs> yeah. And it would be you better respect your teachers yeah. and support them and stand with them because that is, you know – part and parcel, the, the most mm -hmm. important thing you can right. do is to have, uh, you know, put the kind of supports in place. Um, and, and, and I think in doing that, uh, you'll begin to show teachers how, how valuable they are. Um, you know, teachers work extremely hard. Mm -hmm. I'm here, you mentioned Ms. Boykin, I, you know, here's a teacher who, you know, changed my life forever. And that happens every day. Um, and what we have to do is make sure that we, um, you know, uh, take care of our teachers, um, you know, not put too much on their plates, mm -hmm. take as much off their plates as we possibly can, because they have to worry about teaching content. So kids really get it. Um, and we have to feed the teachers, you know, Wong's book, you feed the teachers. If you don't feed the teachers, they eat the students. We have to feed our teachers, give them the supports that they need. You know, when I moved here in 2015, my wife, my son and I from North Carolina, we moved here uh, after the Michael Brown incident. And that was a traumatic experience, not just for our teachers, but our, our entire community. Sure. 
um, and learning what happened in our community. Uh, we bought a house in Ferguson and, 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 and looking at my neighbors and people who've been here for years, you know, that, that, that was traumatic because the world's attention was turned on Ferguson. Um, and we still are in some ways reeling from some of that. I think we're re recovering from some, some of it sure. as well. Um, but I think with the teachers, uh, they were on the front lines. Uh, they were the ones who were dealing with some of the issues that kids were dealing with. Kids being out of school, schools closing. Can we feed them? Can we give them what they need? Uh, they serve as counselors. They serve as educators. Man, they do so much stuff. And I want teachers to know that 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 I personally care about all of them, especially mm -hmm. the ones in Ferguson, Florida, but all over this country. And I want teachers to know that they are valued and that they are the salt of the earth. Mm -hmm. And they are the ones who have created, you know, you know, little, little people like me to be, you know, have somebody so that we can help other people. Um, and I want teachers to know how much they mean to our communities. I always say that education is the best economic developer. And if you don't have good teachers, you're not going to have great schools. Mm -hmm. Because let me tell you, when people move to communities, they ask the simple question, how are your schools? And they're talking about That's your right. public. They're talking about your public schools. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about private schools mm -hmm. and public. I'm talking about public schools and how's your district? And they measure your district based on the performance of kids. Sure. Well, who produces that? Teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, so teachers have to be. We we need to pay teachers more. When I say that teachers ought to, ought to start making fifty thousand dollars a year, and uh, you know our average teacher salary in Ferguson, Florida, is sixty five thousand. That's mm -hmm. pretty strong. Mm -hmm. It's not strong enough though. You know we we need to pay our teachers a lot more and give them the supports that they need so they can keep doing the work because they're educating the next generation. Mm -hmm. um, and when they know their value, they come ready to, 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 to deliver. And so to all my teachers, hang in there. Yeah. We're with you 100%. Mm -hmm. Dr. Davis, this has truly been like the best part of my week. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> allowing me to come back yeah. um, and visit with you. You're an educator at heart yourself. I wow. am. <laughs> I know. Um, I love being here, and, and I, you know, I, I have – this is just one of the best places you can be. Um, I, I was in this district for a really long time, and it was truly like one of the best things I ever did was being yeah. here. So continue the good work. Um, continue leading a district full of amazing teachers yes. and parents. I can't say enough about this community. I think it's just an amazing community with mm -hmm. so many positive, powerful things going on for kids. Um, but thank you, truly, for sharing some of your story um, and some of the things that you guys are doing. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. And uh, to Christy Hu, Principal Extraordinaire. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was this episode of Classroom Matters with me, your host, Christy Hu. We are signing off.